0: Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. You're so vain. You probably think this episode's about you. You're so vain. Carly Simon, I am not. And both you and Carly Simon are glad for that. (laughs) True that, yo, true that. Some people are just difficult. So much so, it's just easier to avoid them rather than dealing with them. Unfortunately, that's not always an option. So we have to learn strategies for dealing with difficult people. In this episode, we're going to discuss several things that you can do Before, during, and after, you have to deal with difficult people.
1: But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, this weekend, I uh, went up to my parents' house, and I was kind of working on some small stuff for myself, and I did it in WinForms. Oh, wow. Like old school, and it was so nice. I forgot how quick I could do stuff with like a desktop platform and just... Mm -hmm you know, like the speed at which I could test and everything. I just kind of wonder sometimes, like, what happens if we get a platform like that on the web that's legitimately as fast to develop for as that is? Like, are we still going to have jobs as web developers? Yeah, it'll
0: just change. I've read a lot of
1: the no-code stuff. Yeah, I was thinking like no-code and WebAssembly and some of like the AWS Lambda stuff. And like, there's enough stuff in the mix that you could probably do some pretty slick things already and if you get a visual designer yeah yeah well our jobs will change what we do well it'll change it'll, back for me <laughs> yeah well that's true <laughs> i mean uh, that's the other thing is like i was i was going through <laughs> angular stuff today and i'm like man this feels really the frustration felt really familiar and i'm like why is that and i finally realized these are header files yeah Like, I feel like I'm doing C when I'm doing all the module exports and all that. I'm like, this is a freaking (laughs) header file. Like, it's the same thing. (laughs) Just, and it's not really the same thing, but man, the feels. So, yeah. um, Yeah. How about you? So, uh, we didn't record last week because I was getting a
0: new tattoo. I had scheduled it on Tuesday night because at the time I scheduled it, uh, you have to schedule a few months out because the artist is very popular. We recorded on Thursdays. Anyway, I'm really excited about it. If you follow me on social media, I posted about it. You know what? I'll even have a pickup on our Insta before this episode airs. Now, Friday, my friend Bria was in a really bad car wreck. Interestingly enough, I was walking into the small group that I lead when my phone notified me about a wreck on I 24. And then Maybe less than an hour later, I got a text from another one of our friends about her being in a wreck. And it was later that I found out it was the same one. Mm. She's okay. Like she survived, left her with a broken arm, actually broken forearm, which is kind of rough because of smaller bones there. thing is, she and I are the audio geeks on the creative team at church and right now we're just it's a really busy time we're doing a lot of exciting videos we've got our dream team appreciation we've got easter and then we're also doing stuff for children's ministry and so we've kind of split the responsibilities of recording audio for them so i've been sort of picking up the slack since she's like she had to have surgery and everything so yeah it was rough and then uh not to go without uh, pain and misery myself. Saturday, I learned that I have a kidney stone. Yeah, that's uh, that's always fun. Dangle, dangle, pea s- gravel, man. <laughs> yep. Went to the doctor yesterday and he prescribed me Toradol. So, no ethanol when writing this. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, writing and recording sober. That's uh, a new challenge. <laughs> Don't do that very often. Not that we we get drunk when recording, but usually we have, you know, a drink or so. It's an excuse to this. uh
1: to have some good scotch.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember when I was coming over, it was I would come over and like our weekly get together, have a beer, and hang out, and we just happen to record our conversations. So yeah, I mean that was that was fun. But yeah, now just for those of y'all who do not know, Tordal is not the fun loopy drug so I'm not out of it. It's the uh take too much of it and you get stomach ulcers drug.
1: Yeah. And it does damage your kidneys too, doesn't it, if you're mm-hmm. not careful. Because I think yeah, I like, had that after my uh hernia surgery.
0: Yeah, it's um well NSAIDs are rough on the kidneys, but it's a very powerful NSAID, non steroidal and anti inflammatory drug. But uh yeah it it does and that's why they only let you take it for five days. even if you don't take all of it, like just the having that kind of roughness on your body, they only allow you to do it for five days. Thing
1: is it's like, it dulls the pain a little bit, but doesn't really take it away. Yeah. When I was doing that, I think I was in a position where that worked well for me. Yeah. With a kidney stone, you know, like you still have it. So yeah. 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 So, uh, Writing this episode
0: was uh was quite interesting. Speaking of writing, Amanda actually helped write the outline for this one. With the kidney stone and everything, I'm a bit behind, you know. Uh, yesterday I was trying to edit a bunch of audio for church stuff to get to them so they could start working on putting together the videos and I'm not actually editing more like mastering, just sort of cleaning up the audio and getting it to them and uh So Amanda called me after work and she's like, you're still working on audio? I'm like, yeah, I've been working on it for hours. She's like, well, is there anything I can do to help? (laughs) Yeah, that's the magic question that leads to work. I don't ask that question. (laughs) So I asked her to look up some stuff for the outline. Uh, She gave me a lot of really good resources and uh, kind of a rough start for it, which was a huge help. It, It really just made the process go a lot faster for me. So that was nice. But uh, that's what's been going on with me. Let's go ahead and uh, hop on into book club. Chapter nine of The Healthy Programmer, Get Fit, Feel Better, and Keep Coding by Joe Kuttner is called Thinking Outside the Cube. Well, it starts off talking about Finland and how they have times of the year with little or no sunlight. Kuttner then goes into talking about vitamin D and how we get it from exposure to the sun. Uh, For example, lighter-skinned individuals get more vitamin D from less exposure. In the second section, he talks about the benefits of vitamin D, and these include improved immune functions, elevated mood, lower blood pressure, and decreased risk of a lot of different diseases, including kidney disease. He also points out that you should learn about your family medical history. Next, he discusses boosting your immune system, where he details several steps that most of us aren't doing, including getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, taking probiotics or something with probiotics in it for good bacteria, and getting vitamin D. In the following section, he discusses the common cold, specifically how cleanliness helps to prevent it. Then in the final section, he talks about spending time in nature and suggests taking an outdoor vacation. Action steps from this chapter include getting outside for about 10 minutes a day or going for a walk in the
1: woods. And I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? We got a tweet from at C4C underscore recruiting. I think I know who that is mm-hmm. uh, saying thanks to complete dev pod. I'm playing B ball with at CJ bow CJ bow on Sunday at indoor hoops. Hashtag UES. That is so cool. Yeah.
0: That's Zach. Yeah. Um, who we had on this show before. It's really great. People meeting up, making friends and being active because of the show. Why don't both of y'all send us an email to waterbottle at because we've got a water bottle for each of you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer Water Bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. Check out Instagram for uh, images of my new tattoo or you can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Your advertisement could be here. You know, that never gets old. Well, if you like the show and would like to advertise on here, send us an email to adverts at completedeveloperpodcast.com. We have short-term, long-term, and other sponsorship opportunities. Reach out to us and let
1: us help you reach the people who you are serving. We've all had that coworker, the curmudgeon. Nothing is ever right. It's always terrible. They may work hard and get things done, but their constant complaining means no one wants to work with them. A lot of times, this is a symptom of a deeper problem, but that doesn't make it any easier to deal with this person. Sometimes that curmudgeon is you. And uh, we're not going to talk about that. That's a topic for another episode. No matter the reason for them being difficult,
0: if you can effectively work with people who Who others refuse to even acknowledge, then you will make an impression with the higher ups. You'll find difficult people just about everywhere you work. And being able to effectively deal with people when they are being difficult will give you an advantage over those who get brought down by their negativity.
1: In this episode, we're going to discuss things that you can do before, during, and after interactions with difficult coworkers. The idea here is to give you tools that you can use depending on the situation you find yourself in. These are written with the business world in mind, but can be applied to many other areas of your life as well. So, the first
0: thing you want to do and there's a reason that Amanda and I put this as the first one is you want to stay calm in emotionally charged situations.
1: Yeah, the trick is is to not argue or try to convince the other person of anything, especially early on in the interaction, like is it's getting steamy, you know, like when they're getting ticked off, like you just can't do that. It's not the time to prove a point or to get the person to see your way of thinking. Even if you're right, if people are overly emotional and ticked off, they tend to stick to what they think, even if you have a whole lot of evidence to the contrary. Try not to match
0: their anger with anger. It's like feeding trolls on the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Except it's a troll that can punch you. Yeah. uh, Expressing
1: anger typically only worsens the problem. Yeah. It can be really frustrating to be angry when the other person is calm and polite. But what that will tend to do is set things up so that they take that anger down because it's not working. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people are trying strategies and that's the one that works for them most of the time.
0: Yeah, this is especially difficult if you're somewhat of an empath or you kind of read the room by feeling the emotion as they tend to mimic the mood or emotions of those around them. I struggle with this some because I'm kind of that way. Like if we're interacting and you're really hyped up, I tend to get really hyped up with you. If you're kind of down, you tend to get really hyped up. up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. But if you're angry, you tend to get really yeah. hyped up. <laughs> no, if you're angry, I, I tend to
0: like respond back the way that you're responding to me. That's fair. Yeah. I have to watch that because I've noticed it in my interactions, especially at work and stuff like that, where you know, I have one coworker who has been on the show and talked about his communication styles. <laughs> I think it was in an episode about communication styles. Yeah. But he comes off just naturally as angry, even though he's not.
1: Yeah, he's just very forceful. I guess is the best. Like he's direct. (laughs) Yeah, and I worked. I worked with a guy who was the owner of the company at a previous job, and he was like this. I mean, he would drop f bombs in meetings, and like you thought the guy was just mad enough that like you needed to leave the room, and he was just making conversation. He could be talking about the weather and it's effing raining and you're just like, Whoa, dude.
0: (laughs) You know, what's interesting is I'm doing the small group on Enneagrams and uh, well, I'm not leading it. I'm participating in it, I should say. And I'm learning all these things. And like, that is a very particular, that's, that's an eight. And that is very much the way they communicate. Yep. And arguing with them, They look at that fondly.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So what you have to do is you have to know in a situation like this, all right, are they actually angry? Like, is it someone who is really riled up about something? Or is it, this is just their all the time communication style and not allow that to get you angry? This is what I've had to do with my coworker is I recognize, all right, this is just his communication style. And, If I respond in anger, he's going to think that I am angry. Right. Whereas if I just respond as my normal self, like I would to other people, he will, like, that's just his way of communicating. And so I have to watch myself in those situations. Yeah. Now, one thing, and Amanda found this and showed it to me, it's really good. This is called the stop method. S-T-O-P. Um, we're, we're all about our acronyms here. So what it is, is a way to reduce the likelihood of reacting in a situation instead of acting on the information you're presented with. So the first thing, the S, is stop what you're doing. When a heated situation comes up, stop what you're doing. Then take a moment or two to collect yourself. This could be some people count to 10, some people take a few deep breaths, it's whatever you have to do to collect yourself. Right. Next, observe how your body feels in the moment. And this is the trick for me. This is what I have to do when I'm around someone who's angry to keep myself from responding with anger is, you know, I, I observe, I'm like, I'm feeling really angry. I wasn't angry when I walked in here.
1: Why am I angry? Yeah. We've had that conversation before. (laughs) Yeah, we have. (laughs) Live on the microphone, (laughs) actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it led to a whole uh, whole episode on anger management that we wrote that night. That was was a really good episode too. (laughs) And then proceed with caution, kindness, and compassion. I would say it was a three C's, but there's a K in there.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's unfortunate facet of the English language is the uh, pronunciation yeah, spelling. So the next thing you need to do is you need to keep your guard up through the interaction. So when you're dealing with somebody difficult, you really want to avoid getting dragged down into their negativity. Like, so like angry people don't bother me, but like the, just the down in the dumps complaining ones get me mm-hmm. and those are the ones I have to watch for. Yeah, Uh, because I'll match pace with them and you know, and I'm yeah, like 30 minutes of that crap and I'm like Eeyore. (laughs) And it's like I didn't come in here feeling like this. Why is why is this the way it is? That
0: is so funny because those people have the opposite effect on me. Or when I'm around people like that, I tend to like get more energetic. Yeah, and tick them off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you remember our friend Jason. Yeah. He was like that a lot. And that was one of the reasons he liked hanging out with me. he told me this um, before he passed away. He was like, you know, one of the things I love about hanging out with you is like, like, no matter how bad of a mood I'm in, you're always in a great mood. You tend to get like in a better mood. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know why that is. It's a weird reaction that I have to that. But like people like that tend to make me just like go the opposite direction. It's
1: funny. I mean, but a lot of people like that would really, really like their negativity and they wallow Mm -hmm. in it they're unhappy there, but they're happy being unhappy there. Yeah. And they can drag you down a lot easier than you can pick them up.
0: Yes, that's very true. And, you know, we all know people who are like this and, uh, tend to move them to the outskirts of our lives. If we can. Yeah. They will bring you down and they will tell you, you know, all the ways you, you should fail yeah why you shouldn't do something, why you shouldn't try something new and stuff like
1: that, yeah so, or why you're doing everything wrong that you've been doing for twenty years, yeah, so on the other side of this, you also don't want to agree with somebody just to get them to go away, every head nod or yeah, or you know just like if you verbally just grunt yeah that you you know in a way that they can interpret as agreement that tends to make them worse, and they escalate.
0: Can be interpreted as agreement, depending on the situation, both by the person complaining and by those around. If you just silently and don't even, if you just silently listen to it and don't do anything, then that can be interpreted as you're agreeing with them. And it will tell them, oh, hey, they agree, so I can
1: keep going. Yeah. You kind of almost. You know, And and this is a strategy I think you and I both have used with several people. It's like you almost have to set a time limit for the venting and then go, okay, now we're going to do something else.
0: Yeah. If you have to have the venting, if it's got to be there, then you need to set a time limit for it. Sometimes just in order to get things done, you have to let someone vent.
1: Yeah. Or to keep bad things from happening.
0: Yeah. And there is a time and a place for venting.
1: Usually at the bar after work with them buying the drinks. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes if you're just in the office and you're stuck with it, you know, give them a few minutes, let them vent, then mm-hmm. let them go back to work. And yeah. that's kind of a normal interaction. It's just bad when it goes for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> then you got to do something different.
0: I mean, I, I've done this. And so have you, where walk into someone's office and be like, look, I just need to vent about this for a few minutes, get it off your chest, like, Thanks for listening. You know, I'll buy you lunch and walk out. Yeah. You know, but it helps you to avoid getting into that negativity just by getting it out there and just by telling someone. It's sort of like the rubber ducking of difficult people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think part of that too is that it's, you almost know that you need to blow off that steam. Mm -hmm. And so you just get it out there and you go on. Yeah. You know, especially if you are the type of person who sits around and perseverates about, you know, small insults, like, you know, it's it's better to get rid of that. It's also better to hit the heavy bag for a while instead of doing that. But yeah, you know, everybody's got their own thing. Speaking of
0: insults, the next point is no matter how they treat you, show respect.
1: Yeah. And we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh you know, of course, basically the deal here is that many times people just want to be acknowledged. They're not looking for a conversation. Yeah. No
0: one enjoys being treated like they're incompetent. You know, a simple, if you legitimately did something wrong, a simple, I'm sorry, or I'll look into it. I'm going to try to fix this can be enough to diffuse an issue. I know I worked with this one QA tester who liked to complain about everything but if you just said, if the person presented you with an issue and you said, all right, I'll look into it, that kind of cut them off because then they're not like, they didn't have a leg to stand on about it not being addressed. Yeah, so
1: long as you do address it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. If you offer to fix a situation, make sure your actions follow your words. Yeah, because otherwise they will be madder next time. Yeah, it'll, um. it'll get worse if you don't. Now, you may run into a situation where you can't fix it and you have to you know, get help with it or something like that. But you know, if you make an effort, a lot of times that's enough for people, a legitimate effort. Also avoid making a judgment call, especially about the person until you know all the facts.
1: Yeah. It's interesting how easy it is to uh, end up doing that. Like if you don't know what somebody is going through, Mm you know, sometimes people are just being difficult, but sometimes there's other major stuff going on and you, just simply don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. you probably need to kind of cut people some slack just because of it could be something really bad, like they found out one of their parents has cancer or something. Yeah. So,
0: Other times it may be just a simple miscommunication causing an issue. Like I once got called into the manager's office. Remember I work remote, but for yelling at one of my coworkers on a call and when the manager like told me the interaction I'm like that's not how it happened like i said this multiple times and they weren't hearing so i had to like get louder each time and what we found out was that the communication software because one person was talking was not putting through what i was saying yep until i got i spoke louder than them and so I had said it multiple times, like politely, multiple times, and then it just came out loudly the last time. <laughs> and like I'm like I wasn't upset or anything, and yeah, I talked to the person about it, and she's like, "Well, that makes a lot of sense. I wondered why you were being so quiet the whole time." <laughs> yeah,
1: that's uh, some of the you know some of the the communication software when you are remote it will do weird stuff with your microphone Mm -hmm. Um, and you just never know, especially like if you're not in the same room with that person, you can't make any assumptions about tone of voice or anything because who knows? No. One other thing you want to make sure and not do is tell people to calm down because it tends to have the opposite effect, especially if you (laughs) yell it at them. Yes. In German, (laughs) you know?
0: (laughs) Well, so, I had a martial arts instructor who was learning Tai Chi and uh, she would yell, I think it was shung, which was the word for relax. (laughs) But like when she was trying to get me to like, to not be as stiff and to relax in emotion, she'd get right up in my face and just yell it at me because it would make me giggle. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I was going to say I don't exactly what that would do.
0: <laughs> Cuz it was so just ridiculous to just get up in someone's face and yell relax at them. <laughs> but for the most part, telling someone to calm down when they're upset. And that that's the thing. I wasn't upset. I was trying to do, you know, I was trying to be calm. It's going to irritate them and cause even more difficult behavior.
1: Yeah, and I'll also add to that that a lot of times the more difficult behavior is that they do calm down in appearance and then they go do passive aggressive crap behind your back.
0: Yeah, that's true. You want to deflate their irritability by asking them about what is making them
1: upset. Right. Like get them to rephrase it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Sometimes just by having them reword or re say what is bothering them that will calm them down because one you're acknowledging it what we talked about earlier, but also it makes them stop and think about it a little bit more.
1: Yeah. They kind of, they almost have to rubber duck. Yeah. Their expression of what's wrong in a way that makes them go back over it. So yeah, that's very valuable, you know, and when you have politely expressed your opinion to the point where people know where you're coming from, That's also a good way to make sure that you're not the jerk (laughs) because you could be. But when you let people know what your intentions are behind what you're doing and they understand the why, they're more willing to accept it. Even if they maybe even still continue to disagree with you, it may just like take the tone down to the point where y'all can go on.
0: It brings it from an argument down to a conversation.
1: Yeah. Or or a debate. Yeah. Or I would almost say, a lot of times it brings it down from an argument to a diversity of opinion. Yeah. I mean, it allows the other person a chance
0: to empathize with your perspective and opens up that line of communication.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll say another thing it does is it also lets them save uh, save face a little bit.
0: Yes, that's very true.
1: You know, so they didn't lose an argument. They were convinced of a better solution. You know, being convinced of a better solution makes you look like a person who is valuable enough to need convincing.
0: Yeah, it's true. On that, the next thing to do is understand the person's intentions. Rarely are people difficult for the sake of being difficult. I say rarely because sometimes will is. (laughs) Yeah. It's all me, man. (laughs) Well, the way you were looking at me, I had to call you out on that. Yeah, I
1: know. Well, the thing is, is there's usually an underlying reason for behavior, right? Behavior, there is no abiogenesis of behavior, right? Like it came from somewhere. Yeah. And it came from a set of experiences or a situation. And a lot of times you just can't see what the triggers are. You can't identify what's going on. And so it looks like it came out of nowhere, but it didn't. You
0: need to actually listen to what the other person is saying. It's real easy to tune people out, especially when they are griping about the same thing for the hundredth time in a row. But like a toddler throwing a temper tantrum, they tend to get louder or more forceful if they think no one is paying attention to them.
1: Yeah, and I've also seen this dynamic develop too where they get louder and angrier almost as a means of giving themselves permission to do something more obnoxious.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's like they're not paying attention to me. They're not listening to me. So I'm going to do this. Yeah. Instead, use active listening skills to not only hear what they're saying, but to acknowledge them. And that's like kind of a key thing through a lot of this is one of the best ways to deal with difficult people is acknowledge that they're going through something. You know, I know a lot of times when I've been difficult, Someone just saying, hey, man, that, that does sound really rough. Or, you know, just acknowledging that
1: is enough to make me go, all right, I don't feel alone in this. Yeah, I know how you really like your calculator app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, you do have to look out for kind of a set of hidden needs that people mm-hmm. have that are being expressed in a bad way through the argument. So you look for the stuff they're trying to gain or they're trying to avoid by being difficult. You and I both have had coworkers who were very, very negative about newer technology. And a lot of times what that came out of was they were afraid they were going to be left behind. Mm -hmm. For instance.
0: It's not going to be obvious. And sometimes it may not even be directly related to the target of their complaining.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example that I can share. (laughs) On yeah. that, because usually those are really deeply pathological. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if I don't learn C++, you know, I'm going to be a failure and everybody's going to hate me just like my parents do or some, you know, like it's it's a really messed up over the top reaction. It's like, mm-hmm. no, if you don't learn C++, you just go learn Java or something. I'm sorry if you have to learn Java. And then everybody can hate you <laughs> <laughs> instead of just your parents. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's PHP. Um <laughs> Just troll them all. (laughs) All
0: Also, you want to avoid saying things like, I understand. Because unless you are that person, you probably don't. And it usually makes things
1: worse. Yeah. So you would try something like, tell me more so I can understand better. Or you could start a sentence with, I understand, and then go, because... I get where you're coming from and you start explaining it back to them. Mm -hmm. But you can't just drop, I understand, because that's a way of saying, yeah, shut up, dude.
0: Yeah. It's
1: very patronizing. Yeah. And for those of y'all that don't know what that is, that means that you're talking down to people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to patronizing, which is what you do when you go into a shop to buy something. Right. Uh, I, I put that in there for Amanda because... That's one of her pet peeves is when people misuse those words. (laughs) So speaking of which, the next point is seek help from your coworkers or others around the situation.
1: So if you find somebody that that other person trusts and they tend to be more reasonable and capable of dealing with that person, that's your go-to person to Get the situation fixed if you can't do it yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes de escalating a situation is just a matter of getting the right person to help you out. And if it's a situation where you can't help, then you're actively doing something by finding someone who can. Remember how we said earlier about saying something to the effect of, like, I'll try to fix this or I'll work on it. You may not be able to fix the problem, but you can take it to someone who can. And that shows that person that that still has that same effect as you working on it is it shows that you are acknowledging the person, you're acknowledging that they have a problem, and you are actively working to help them with
1: it. Right. And another thing you probably should do, especially if things are really starting to get to you, is to get perspective from people who are not in the situation with you. You know, when you get caught up in a situation, a lot of times it's easy to get into a situation where you do not view it objectively anymore because there's a lot of emotional context or fear or bad history with somebody. And just like look for advice from people that are outside the situation that you trust. You know, Don't just go to like some random person on the street, right? Like it needs to be somebody that you have a history with and you can talk to that kind of knows where you're coming from.
0: And maybe someone that knows a little bit about maybe not the specifics of the situation, but I mean, I'm not going to go sit and talk to bartender about an issue I'm having with the, you know, .dot .NET Core. Right. Because they'll just look at me like, all right, what do you want to drink? But yeah. I will talk to Will about it. I mean, actually Will and I use each other for this all the time. Like there have been plenty of times where we have written very long hangouts messages to the other person about something going on and ended with, what do you think? Am I off on this? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's really good to have that kind of sounding board because otherwise you don't have a sounding board that's outside <laughs> the situation. And that's a lot worse. Um, yeah. And you know, speaking of sounding boards, after the interaction, it's a really good idea to also debrief with a trusted coworker or trusted person that's near the situation. You talk the
0: situation over with someone after it happens because this can help you get a better view of your own behavior and maybe things that triggered you. So it can help you learn what to watch out for in yourself when doing this. You kind of want to avoid doing this with management unless you know they will keep it off the record.
1: Yeah, and that they will keep it out of evaluations. Yeah. That's the tricky bit. You know, cuz basically you're going to somebody that has power in that situation and that's probably not what you want.
0: Mhm. Now I mean, you may like for example, the lead UI developer that I work with. We've worked together since before he got promoted into a management position and sometimes I will talk to him about interactions that I have with other team members and none of us are direct reports to him. Yeah. So it doesn't like, it's not going to affect that, but there's a lot of times where he and I'll go to lunch and I'll be like, all right, so was I off in this or, you know, how do you think I handled this situation? That kind of stuff. Just because he has a really great perspective on
1: stuff. Yeah. It's who I'm thinking of. I, I, Get that because I periodically bounce ideas off of him too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, that said, sometimes you do have to escalate to higher ups. You know, this is kind of a last resort if you can't resolve an issue, but it happens. Sometimes the only change that can happen is from the top down.
0: However, if you do this too often, it looks bad on you. It looks like you can't handle it. Yourself, You can't handle working with other people. It makes you look like the problem if you're constantly doing this.
1: Yeah. And you have and, to be really careful with the politics too on that. Yeah. You know, I've seen people go to management about, you know, the manager's little pet, You know, somebody that management hired 20 years ago and they're still there and you know, they're incompetent and you go to management about the way that they act and it all blows back on you because yeah. the manager is the one that put them there and kept them there. So the manager is the problem. Another thing you're going to want to do uh, when you have these interactions is you really have to watch body language, including your own. So you've got to avoid acting defensively or even giving the impression that you're on the defense. So you don't want to be backing up. You don't want to be, you know, crossing your arms and making yourself look small. You just want to look relaxed because otherwise, if they are being aggressive, that emboldens a lot of them
0: it's difficult as we tend to give off signs of displeasure without even trying. And you're going to want to defend yourself and your perspective. And that's okay. It's perfectly fine to have that desire. The trick is how you present yourself to the other person can influence the way they interact with you. So if you present yourself as open to like just, open and willing to discuss and listen to their side of it, no matter how forceful, how angry they're being, it's going to calm them down because they're going to see someone who is, oh, they're, they're willing to listen, even if you disagree with them. But if you put up you know, defenses and like put a wall up, basically, and present yourself as, nope, 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 they're going to try to tear that wall down.
1: And you also have to look for their body language. Like, look and see if they look like they're getting defensive. If they're kind of scrunching in and all that. If you see those kind of signs when they're talking, that's a tell. Uh, that's a tell for how they're going to feel and how they're going to react. Uh, in that case, they will often get a lot more aggressive on the topics that they are least sure of, not mm-hmm. that they are most sure of. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, this just as an aside, this scales up. If you look at U.S. politics right now the things that people are the most angry and vehement about are the things that they're least sure about. Mm-hmm. Where the data is more fuzzy and more just, ah, we're not sure.
0: What you want to do is use this information. Like, this is data that you're collecting. And use the information to help you determine where the real issue lies. Because I'll tell you, if you... Can take a difficult person, work with them, figure out what the real issue underneath their anger, underneath their curmudgeonliness. Is that a word? It is now. If you can find that what underlies it and help them deal with it, not only have you made a friend out of them and you've turned a a difficult situation into a beneficial one, but other people are going to see that.
1: Yeah. And it's going to follow you that you have that ability. Well, and you'll also be the person that they go to and they can't deal with that person, um, yeah. which can help a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I will add, though, as counterintuitive as it sounds, do not smile <laughs> because yeah. of the way that that gets interpreted. So it, it's very easy to interpret somebody else smiling at your dilemma as being mocking. Mm hmm. And if it comes from me, it's frankly, it's schadenfreude. But for most normal people, it's just they're smiling because they're nervous and you really want to make sure that you, you know, kind of lock that down and don't try to get out of it with humor.
0: Yeah. Humor is very likely to backfire on you. Instead of lightening the mood, it's going to cause even more friction. Just a quick example, not even related to programming. I... uh. I was on Facebook the other day, and a friend of a friend, someone that I knew when I was, I guess, in high school. Don't really know her that well. She's good friends with another friend of mine. Posted something about uh, like legalizing marijuana, and you know, doesn't matter where you stand on it. She was like, "You see this as a drug. I see this as a medication." And then it showed like a pill. You see this as medication. I see this as a drug. You know, it was kind of like very polarizing in what she posted. And uh, it reminded me of of med school where they told us like all medication is poison. It's just a matter of dosage.
1: Well, everything's poison. <laughs> if yeah. You get
0: enough of it. And so like, I was like that, you know, the trying to acknowledge what she's saying, but like be kind of funny about it. And so I posted that and it started this whole, like she got really like into this argument and I'm like, it drew me in for a little bit because I'm like, no, there's an l d fifty for marijuana. you can overdose on it. It's really high, but you can, and like it got into this argument, and finally, I'm like, I realized that the wizard's first rule was in play, and I'm like,' all right, I'm just gonna bow out,
1: yeah, you win, yeah, you think what you think. Yeah. I mean like and, look if the if the l d fifty was something that people could hit, Willie Nelson would have hit that very very hard by
0: now. <laughs> you know. That's true. But well, like my point wasn't that you know you are going to my point was that it was possible that like it existed, you know. And I realized I'm like I'm in this argument and I was trying to make you know make people smile. This is not having the effect I intended. And so when Amanda showed me this part of the outline, I was like, oh, uh, that's exactly what I thought of, was that situation where I'm like, I was trying to be a little funny, but then going back to a, a point we talked about earlier where you don't know what's going on with that person, this particular person, after I said that, you know, hey, you know, I can tell Wizards' first rules in effect here. I'm going to bow out. Yes, I literally put that on a Facebook post. She posted all of the medical issues that she and her fiance have. And I was like, wow, I just, you know, I didn't know you guys had all that stuff going on.
1: Yeah. And the context kind of explains a lot. Like I know some people, they have some absolutely what I think are idiotic worldviews, but I know where they're coming from. And so I don't engage because it's, you know, you can't fix it. So on that, you need to remain flexible in your
0: interactions. Remember that one response does not fit all situations. We're talking right now about ways to deal with difficult people, and while you can apply like the same concepts to different situations, what works in one situation isn't going to work the same or isn't going to work at all in
1: another. Yeah, or it, it may actually go in the exact opposite direction. <laughs> with yeah. the other one. I mean there's people that if they start yelling and you start yelling back, they calm down. You know, there are people like that, but with most people not so much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's how you get a police helicopter over your house. It's just not <laughs> a good plan. <laughs> um,
0: the thing is this is even true within the same person. Yeah. You know, where you can have two different situations. Apart. Yeah. yeah. You can have two different situations with the same person and what worked in one Will not work in the other.
1: Yeah, and this is why it's so important to build rapport with coworkers before there are issues. I mean, this is something I kind of touched on in my book. When you, know, when you do a remote position is you have to maintain that because by the time there's a problem, you're out of the office and the problem is in the office. And so you've, you've got to build that up beforehand. Otherwise, you're going to get burned extremely bad. This might mean something as simple as joining the team for lunch a few times a week, having you know just normal conversations about non-work stuff. It might mean that when you're up there, you go talk to people and you hang out with them instead of work and then go back to your hotel room. Yeah. Or if
0: you're fully remote and almost never go into the head office or meet with other people, just before or after your calls, just talking about stuff. I know... I see most of my coworkers one day a week, but still when we hop on a call every Monday, you know, we usually get there about five minutes early. Um it's about four or five of us that get there about five minutes early and we just sort of chat and talk about what happened over the weekend and stuff like that.
1: Yep. We do the same and our you know, our daily stand ups, the remote people are on about five minutes before because you know <laughs> audio on windows. Um, (laughs) You know, you kind of need that. So you're all going to be there and everybody's checking their mics and all that stuff. So yeah, you can have those kind of conversations and it, it really helps a lot to build up the trust between the coworkers so that when something does happen, you have something to work with instead of just being that dude that's, you know, two States away.
0: Yeah. When issues do come up, you want to put your emphasis on what can be done or what can be acted upon. People who feel powerless in a situation tend to whine and complain. Like They feel like nothing can be done about it. They're just going to sit around and complain and be negative.
1: Yeah. It's really important not to focus on what's already happened or on things that you can't change. And again, it's, I, I, I swear that office politics are just like a microcosm of every other kind of politics because there will always be some issue that happened last year that everybody's mad about. And it's like, you do not have a time machine. You cannot fix this. There's only certain stuff you can do and you need to be doing that instead of talking about this.
0: Mm-hmm. You need to go into interactions, especially if it's a potential argument or if it becomes an argument but go into it with a solutions mindset. Be thinking about, all right, let's first thing is figuring out what the real problem is. Once you determine that, start looking at what can we do about it. Right. And one of the things that that's going to do is that's going to take those people who feel powerless and who just who like enjoy that negativity and it's going to like pull the rug out from under their feet because they're not going to have anything to stand on when you're like, all right, well, Let's do something about it. Yeah. Cuz if all they want to do is complain, then they're like I am doing something I'm complaining.
1: Yeah, well you could just go somewhere else too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, like at the end of the day, there you are. Yeah, but the trick is is like focusing on the facts, not the extremes, not emotions. Only the Sith deal in absolutes and only the Jedi deal in self-contradicting statements. So there we go.
0: (laughs) I heard that line and I'm like, but wait a minute. (laughs)
1: Are you trying to tell me something?
0: (laughs) You want to avoid using terms like never or always. Just people who have that negativity, that whining, complaining attitude are going to be like, well, nothing ever gets done about this or it's always been this way or Will's always late to the meetings, which is really never true. But, you know, see there, I used to... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, what you want to do is restate these extremes in factual statements that still acknowledge the person's emotional state. So someone says, Will's always late to meetings. We're like, you know, I understand you're frustrated that he's late, but Monday,
1: Tuesday, and Wednesday, he was on time. Thursday and Friday, he was late. If, if Will's late to a meeting, Will's not coming because Outlook got closed somehow. And he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. That's what that is.
0: Um, I'm just using the example from the uh yeah, the website where I where I was um reading about this and I was like, you yeah, know, that that's a good one where it's just like, you know, acknowledge, yeah, hey, I can see you're frustrated. They showed up on time to these other ones like you know, restate it with factual statements and say, yeah, they are late. They, they're late to this when they were late yesterday. Yeah, I can see where you see where it appears like they're always late.
1: Yeah, but they're only um, late to your meetings because you're a horrible person. No, <laughs> don't probably say probably don't that. need to don't. follow it up it. with that. No, no, no.
0: What you do need to do is protect yourself in stressful
1: situations by setting boundaries. Yeah, you have the right to tell somebody, please do not talk to me that way. Or just flat out tell them, do not talk to me that way
0: confrontations can get emotionally charged and sometimes involve yelling and swearing and throwing objects like
1: erasers. Hey, that wasn't a confrontation. You just wrote a memory (laughs) leak on the board. I don't like memory (laughs) leaks. Um, It's completely. (laughs) Throwing stuff at me is a sign of affection. So (laughs) no, it's, it's a sign of you having a big old head, me having an eraser in my hand. It's it's not complicated. Uh, you know, it It is completely acceptable to tell someone that they're being rude or disrespectful. You can do this and still be respectful yourself. A lot of times can be that the other person doesn't really, it doesn't click for them how obnoxious they're being until they're told.
0: Yeah. And it may just be like we were talking earlier, it may be their communication style.
1: Yeah. Where or if you know, they're... they're You know, they weren't raised in the same way you were, right? Like even just, you know, moving up here to Nashville from 70 miles away, the way people communicate here versus back home, it's worlds different. Yeah. And people are a lot more blunt here. Mm -hmm. You want to emphasize space and keep physical distance between you and the other person. Yeah. And that's hard uh especially you know with more empathic people or people in you know like the American South that like to you know reach over and touch somebody that can backfire pretty quick. Uh, it can be misinterpreted as an attack or as being patronizing or just skeeves them out and makes you you know makes them think you're a weirdo. You have to watch it because different cultures have
0: different ideas of personal space.
1: Yeah. I, uh, (laughs) I one time watched a uh, guy from Saudi Arabia have a discussion with a guy from Arkansas. (laughs) Right. And so like, you know, people, you know, from the South, we tend to have like a large personal bubble, right? Cause there's a lot of room down here Mm -hmm. and it's hot and, you know, humid. So people kind of smell bad. And like the Saudi thing is they tend to get in They're close talkers. And so he was backing this guy all over the room and he wasn't trying to. It's just like that was the interaction of the those two people. And it was very, very funny. I tried to make sure they kept talking as long as possible because I found it amusing. But yeah. Back to Will Schadenfreuden. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I mean, I can spell that word without a dictionary. So I feel that emotion <laughs> a lot. Oh, so... Wow. <laughs>
0: Sometimes you just have to walk away from a situation. If you feel yourself being dragged down and losing the ability to remain objective, then step away from the situation.
1: And as a corollary to this, allow the other person to do that too.
0: Yes, very much so. This may be your best defense early on, especially when you're becoming more self-aware and are learning to be objective. You can recognize, hey, I'm being dragged down. I'm just going to step out of this. That's what I did with that Facebook argument. I'm like, I was trying to make people smile and I've gotten into an argument where we're like pulling up statistics and stuff. I'm like, this is ridiculous. No,
1: yeah. I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> like, you're good. Yeah, nobody has time for statistics anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's statistics instead of anecdotes. Yeah. Um Yeah when you step away, you can even tell the other person that you need to think about it or you want to do some more research on the topic to better understand what they're saying. Like if you acknowledge them and go, Hey, I need to really look into this. um, That validates them. And a lot of times they'll come back to you and they'll be more calm and you'll be more calm and you'll both be more informed because they'll go look stuff Mm -hmm. up
0: too. Yeah. I've done this at work quite a lot where we'll be talking about, you know, something uh, like a disagreement on a language or something will come up or, or how like the best practice for something. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure about that. Let me go, let me go look it up and just step away. But you got to follow it up because you got to look it up because the person's going to come back to you and be like, all right, you ready to talk about it now? Uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> No. And it's just, it's good for both sides to be able to step away from stuff like that and finally don't take it personally it likely has nothing to do with you going back to uh the intro though it may feel like the person is directly attacking you you have to keep in mind that their issue is generally about
1: them and they're kind of seeing the world through their own filters yeah and you know when you take stuff personally that another person is saying or doing you're actually giving them power yeah that you probably don't want to give them. It's like, okay, there's somebody out here having this experience right now. It's not me. I'm not in it. The phrase that one of my coworkers accused me of saying, which I didn't say, but I'm co-opting now to say in the future, not my pasture, not my cow crap. I can see you saying that. I can too. And I'm like, I'm surprised I didn't, but that didn't come from me. (laughs) Well, it does now. It will from now on. Well, it came from a cow, but... Yeah, there you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, don't let yourself fall into reactivity and defensiveness. You want to act on what is said or done, not react to it.
1: Right. So you want to think things out and plan them out and try to figure out, is this going to have downstream effects that are going to cause me problems versus, oh, I just overreacted because this guy got in my face.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be quick and rash. You want to be take the time to think that out. And this is really difficult because our instinct is to react when someone attacks us. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've got
1: years and years of evolutionary history on that, right? Like mm-hmm. for most of our natural history, like you had to or you didn't make it.
0: Yeah. Also, practice actively being defenseless. This doesn't mean that you are passive or easily stepped on, and you still maintain your own opinion and your perspective. It's a choice to not be an adversary to the other person's negativity.
1: Right. I mean, the idea here is to kind of drop the ego or set it aside so that you don't feel the need to argue with the other person. Um, One of the most annoying personalities you'll run into in most offices with software developers with more than two or three software developers is the guy that you look at and you're like this dude got validation from a teacher in high school because he had the right answer to something and he never let that go and he has to argue with everybody to show he's right and most of the time it's on stuff that doesn't matter
0: by allowing them to get it all out without resistance their defenses will be deflated and they may even rubber duck the issue that they're upset about yeah So guys, dealing with difficult people can be, well, difficult. You need to trust your own instincts in these situations. If you feel that a conversation is going downhill, start to act like it is a confrontation and use these strategies. When you work with a difficult person or someone going through a difficult time, you may want to help them. What you need to remember is to take care of yourself as well. Make sure that you find a healthy outlet for your own stress. So after a difficult interaction, you'll benefit from some physical activity like just to get out the pent-up anxiety or adrenaline. Also, give yourself props for effectively handling the situation. Even if you made mistakes, you are working toward bettering yourself and you deserve a reward for that. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade?
1: I want to throw an idea out here. This is a pretty useful way to brainstorm about difficult situations, and that is to assume that it's your fault. And I don't mean, oh, woe is me, I screwed up everything, it's all my fault. But look at the situation and try to find, try to follow the kind of tree of causality back to something that you controlled. Was that decision a good decision or not? If you can look at things that way, you will make better decisions in the future. Like, it's not going to get you out of the problem that you're in right now, but next time it may mean that you just completely avoid being in that situation altogether. So if you use this as a brainstorming activity for how you can make better decisions, you'll make better decisions and they'll be backed up with your own personal anecdata about why the other decision is not something you want. Just try that out a little bit and see what that does for you. That's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By For Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason
0: Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering
1: listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.